Chapter Fifteen of the Life of Kit Carson by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When near the headwaters of the Missouri, the trappers discovered they were approaching the principal village of the Blackfeet. They determined to attack and punish the Indians who had caused them so much trouble and suffering, but the whites were so numerous and powerful that extreme care was necessary to prevent their presence becoming known. When a number of miles from the village, the trappers came to a halt, and Kit Carson, with several men, was sent forward to reconnoitre. With extreme caution, they made their way to a point from which they could overlook the village. A glance showed the Indians hurriedly making ready to move elsewhere. The shrewd red men had discovered their danger before their enemies caught sight of them. Carson galloped back as rapidly as he could, and made known what he had seen. A council was hastily called, and about half the company advanced to give the Blackfeet battle. Kit Carson, as might be supposed, was made the leader. The others were to guard the property, advance slowly, and act as reserve, which could be hurried forward should it become necessary. As agreed upon, Kit Carson galloped ahead, and the moment his men came in sight of the village, they dashed through it, killing a number of warriors. The others slowly fell back, fighting as they went, and without showing the least panic. They received charge after charge of the white men, with the steadiness of veterans. By and by the eagerness of the trappers reduced their ammunition, and their firing became less destructive. The Blackfeet were quick to perceive the cause, and in turn they charged upon their assailants, who became immediately involved in a desperate hand-to-hand -hand fight. It was then the small arms in the possession of the whites played their part. They were used with such effect that the fierce warriors were compelled once more to retreat. But the courageous red men recoiled a short distance only, when they halted, and then, with exultant yells, dashed toward the trappers, who, despite all they could do, were forced back until it looked as if the whole party would be overwhelmed and destroyed. On this retreat, one of the horses belonging to the hunters was shot, and plunged to the ground so suddenly that his rider was caught before he could spring from the saddle. Several of the warriors were quick to perceive his sore straits, and dashed toward him, eager to secure his scalp. The poor fellow struggled desperately, but could not extricate himself, and his expression of horrified despair when he perceived the fierce red men running a race with each other to reach him would have melted the heart of almost any one. Carson was several rods distant, but seeing the danger of his friend, he bounded out of his saddle, and shouted to the others to rally to the defense of their imperiled comrade. Kit raised his rifle while on the run and shot the leading warrior dead. The other whites were so close behind that the remaining Blackfeet whirled and ran for their lives. Several of them were shot down before they could reach the shelter of the rocks, from behind which they sprang after the fallen white man. Carson's devotion to his friend now placed him in an unpleasant, if not dangerous, situation. His steed, being without restraint, galloped off beyond his reach, and the commander was thus left on foot, when there was urgent need that he should be mounted. Meanwhile, the mountaineer who was caught under the body of his horse was struggling desperately to withdraw his imprisoned leg, for there was no saying when the Blackfeet would be upon him again. He succeeded at last, and standing upon his feet, shook himself together, as may be said, 
and he found that though pretty badly bruised, no bones were broken, and he was able to do his full part in the serious duty before him. The exciting episode benefited the trappers in one respect. It served to check the seemingly resistless rush of the Blackfeet, and gave the others a chance to rally and fix upon some course of action. Carson ran rapidly toward the nearest horseman and sprang upon the back of his animal behind him. The steed was forced to his best, and speedily joined the main body a short distance off. It was fortunate that just at that moment there came a lull in the furious fighting, else Carson could scarcely have escaped so well. The runaway horse was pursued by one of the mountaineers, who finally cornered and brought him back to their leader. The Blackfeet did not follow the whites, nor did the latter return to their charge against them. Both parties had gained a thorough taste of each other's mettle, and the conclusion reached was like that of two trained pugilists. Their strength was so nearly equal that neither could afford to throw away his advantage by leading in the assault. Undoubtedly Carson and his men would have withdrawn but for the hope that the reserves were close at hand. The trappers had fought valiantly, but not more so than the Indians, who still possessed plenty ammunition, while that of the whites was nearly exhausted. Had they advanced and encountered the warriors again, the latter would have swept everything before them. As it was, the mountaineers were by no means safe even when acting on the defensive. If the red men should charge upon them with their old-time fierceness, it was by no means certain they would not destroy the whites. The fight would necessarily be of the most sanguinary nature, but when guns and small arms were useless for lack of ammunition, nothing short of a miracle could save them from annihilation. Several hours had gone, and Carson and his men wondered what could delay the reserves. Time always passes slowly to those in waiting, and to some of the hunters the tardiness of their friends was unaccountable. Carson was on the point of sending messengers back to hurry them forward when the whole party appeared, and the situation changed. But those who expected the Blackfeet to flee in panic when they observed the doubling of the assailing forces were much mistaken. The feeling among the Indians could not be described as in the least panicky. They quietly surveyed the new arrivals, and prepared with the coolness of veterans for the conflict that was sure to come within the next few minutes. The powder was distributed among the trappers, who were more eager than ever to attack their old enemies, who were as ready as they for the conflict. Nearly two hundred yards separated the combatants, when the mountaineers, leaving their horses behind, advanced on foot. The Blackfeet stationed themselves behind rocks and trees, and defiantly awaited the attack. In a few minutes the most savage fight of the day was raging. A hundred rifles were flashing in every direction, and the yells of the red men mingled with the shouts of the excited mountaineers. As the warriors had used every means to shelter themselves, it was necessary to dislodge them before they could be driven back. Without remaining together in a compact mass, the trappers made for them with the fierceness of tigers. The result of this charge were a number of remarkable combats. A hunter would dash at a warrior crouching behind some rock, and the two would begin dodging, advancing, retreating, firing, striking, and maneuvering against each other. Sometimes one would succeed, and sometimes the other. The Blackfoot, finding the situation becoming too hot, 
would break for other cover and probably would be shot on the run or would escape altogether again it would be the white man who would be just a second too late in discharging his gun and would pay the penalty with his life at last the indians began falling back and the mountaineers pushing them hard they finally broke and fled in a wild panic leaving many dead behind them on the part of the trappers three had been killed and quite a number badly wounded end of chapter fifteen